Good morning, USA and countries abroad. Here it is, the Pac-12 Conference Preview. It's not going to be the same Pac-12 in a couple (laughs) of years, but until then, we have a lot of exciting players to discuss. And before we go into that, Joshua Chevalier, you can find him on the Twitter machine, at CFF Guys. Josh, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, man. I feel like it's going to... It's going to seem like we're bearing the lead on the Pac-12 as we go through these teams, but it's just alphabetical order. They just happen to be the worst teams at the beginning. <laughs> That's right. You know, and it, it's a shame, too, because Arizona State, they've had some good players the last few years. And, right. you know, they, they uh, Herm Edwards, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I Actually, I liked him as a player. I liked him. I like him as a personality. But to, to I mean, it, it would probably be – a little bit of an understatement to say that you've done very little with a lot. Yeah. Considering the talent you've had there now, quarterback's been an issue, but you know what? You, you recruited your guys. So I'm not going to make those excuses before we get there though. Let's jump into Arizona and yeah. you know, things are looking up there though. So Jed fish comes in and then uh, you know, he's got his, his OC Brennan Carroll, but he, he added a lot of guys to this roster and one of those is at quarterback, Jaden Delora. And I know that was a guy that you were big on uh, mm-hmm. as he was coming out as a true freshman, you know, and, and, and that was, that was playing for, for Washington state though. So a little different right. situation. We were looking at an air raid there. Um, you know, so th- that, that's, that's not going to be the case, more of a, an open spread, but uh, Delora, you know, twenty twenty six. Fantasy points per game in 25.2 his last two years in high school comes in. He, he was okay in, in 2020, put up 18.3 last year. Do you think he has 20 FPG potential in this offense? Yeah, I do. I mean, I guess it depends on how well all the other positions gel, right, and how he does with the wide receivers. But he's got talent there, and I think he's talented. And I really like Jed Fish as a play caller. Um, I'm, you know, back, I can't even remember, maybe 2012 is when he was with Miami as the offensive coordinator and Brennan Carroll was the tight ends coach or special teams. Um, so I'm familiar with, with Jed Fish and he was one of my favorite coordinators of the last 10 years at Miami. So I think he's got potential and play calling and, um, and so I think Jane Delora, you know, and they're going to be playing from behind. So I, I definitely see the possibility. Um, he, he better not mess up though, because he got some kids wait, waiting in the wing to take over for him if if uh, if Jaden isn't up to par. So competition is always good to bring out the best in others. So, but yeah, I think it's possible. Yeah, absolutely. I know your guy Jordan McLeod, former UCF, <laughs> yeah. uh, USF guy, USF kid, is, yeah. is, is not you know going to really threatened there it's uh but you know Mm -hmm. there are some there are some guys on the roster that that could that could push him but i mean i i I just really think that it would be a major shock if delora wasn't the the starter there um but it's so at running back i think that's that's been the issue at arizona um ever since uh jj taylor left and you know we we what do we have here we've got we've got michael wiley who Actually, he's got some some decent uh, efficiency, mm-hmm. but at the same time, we just haven't seen it yet. You know, um, uh, uh, he's he's going double digits, but they bring in a couple 
true freshman Jonah Coleman and Rayshon Luke, you know, mm-hmm. smaller guys, but they're like ankle biters. They're just going to eat away at his, his reps. And um, I, I don't have, I probably don't have the latest weight on Coleman, but he could be up to 190 by now for all I know. Yeah. He's at and the 216. Who Jonah Coleman? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's crazy. Yeah. He's like five, yeah. nine or five, eight. Five, he's nine, like a little yeah. bowling ball. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm just going off of, of, of their, their profiles coming out of high right. school. Um, yeah. And so Coleman, I mean, he put up, well, only, only two games his junior year, but mm-hmm. put up 21 points at his senior year, 43 in those two games as a junior, 36.5 as a sophomore, 20.7 as a freshman. Mm. That is just not, not, very typical had a 19.1% touchdown rate in high school. Hmm. This kid's up to 220 pounds. Michael Wiley's going to get pushed. Yeah. And it's going to yep. be at least a 50, 50 share. If, if, if Coleman comes out and shows he's capable, what are your yeah. thoughts? Yeah. I mean, you know, from reading the offseason reports, the staff absolutely loves Jonah Coleman. Now, they thought he was going to be good coming in, but he's a three-star, and I think a pretty mid-three-star. And he's just coming to camp and really blown them away um, with his potential. And so, yeah, I think he pushes Wiley. And if he's not starting week one, I think it's one of those things where it's they use the out-of-conference games to get him adjusted, and he's eventually the starter. Once again, into Pac-12 play. So I'm a fan of Jonah Coleman. I mean, I wish he had better top-end speed, but, you know, when you're that build, that low to the ground with that much mass, it's, like, hard to bring him down. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, a running game with this bad of a a team that's going to be playing from behind. It's hard to project for sure, but Jonah Coleman, to me, is definitely a dynasty stash um, and a guy that you can pick up pretty late because I don't think many people are on them. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely somebody, I mean, the, the kid put on 36 pounds from his senior year to, to, yeah. uh, to this year. And, and the fact that he's, I, there's no reported NIL dollars for Michael Wiley. And I just updated my database too. at Jonah mm-hmm. Coleman's making 55,000. He's the 35th highest uh, wow. NIL uh, amount uh, of all running backs. Um, so that, that, that there's something there, there, there's, there's more than just a couple of, of CFF analysts that, that like a, a kid because, uh, they've got, they've got invest investors. Those collectives are setting aside money for the kid. And I'm not seeing any love for Michael Wiley. And I think that's telling and, and, and living in the, the NIL era, there there's information out there to be, to be drawn from that. So it's something that needs to be tapped into. All right, moving on to the wide receivers. Now, this is this is easily the strongest unit on the offense. So we, we talked a lot about Jacob Cowing to end the season last year mm-hmm. for DFS. This kid is he can do it all. And uh, he 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 scored a, a career high 20 FPG, probably not going to go any higher than that. Comes in with the, the 16th most NIL dollars at 274,000. He's going to get the ball as much as he wants. But then, then we got another kid, and, and you know, correct the pronunciation if I'm off here, Tatoria <laughs> McMillan. Uh-huh. Who, I, so I think it's interesting because we, we, we live in, in, in a, a time when 
we're drawing a lot of our player evaluations, or at least the ones where we're not able to watch the film ourselves from the scouting community, the high school scouting community. But if you really go back, I mean, it, it only goes, the, the serious scouting only goes back a decade or so. It's not mm-hmm. like we have 40 years of high school scouting on, of recorded on, online. You know what I mean? There, right. I'm sure there's some older guys with some notebooks and some dusty closet, <laughs> but it's, it doesn't go back that far. You know, so if we're looking at guys like Justin Shorter at Florida, I mean, it could be he could be the biggest bust of the media scouting era, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And and so this kid comes in McMillan, and he's one of the highest rated recruits that Arizona's ever added to their roster. Yeah, and it looks like it looks like he could get on the field right away. What are your thoughts on these two kids? Yeah, I mean. I think the first thought is that they complement each other really well, right? Jacob Cowing is a, definitely a guy that can uh, spread the field. And um, Tetsuroa is just, uh, um, I mean, he can do it all really, but he's a excellent contestant catch guy, 50-50 guy. And I think he's got a volleyball b- uh, background at 6'4", like 185 or 190, whatever he is. And so I'm really fascinated to see them work together. And, you know, I don't, McMillan has not disappointed coming in. And I think he's going to be a starter on one side. And it's going to be really fun to see. I think he's going to give a great security blanket to Jaden Delora. And um, I think the pieces, they make sense. And then you talk about, you talked about Rayshon Luke too um, at running back. But I think he's going to start out in the slot um, or, uh, you know, as a gadget guy that they're going to try to get just in space and he runs a 10 flat 100. (laughs) So he's like, you know, a Shane fast uh, from A&M. So he's, you know, I, there's pieces in this offense that could, they could really turn things around quick. If Dolores, the guy. That's interesting. And and I also, I I shouldn't leave this guy out. And I don't think he's going to be, he's not going to be a a factor in CFF, but Dorian Singer, he, he came on Mm -hmm. really strong to close out the year. And I think he's an important piece as the wide receiver three that that's just going to help to to keep that safety attention just kind of all over the field. So if they get, if they get Luke out there and he's, he's creating havoc. Yeah. I mean, this, this could be the best wide receiver room that Dolores ever played with. Right. And I, I don't absolutely. think that's a, a, a stretch to say that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so absolutely. Let's, yeah, let's move on to tight end. And there's another true freshman here, and we'll just quickly discuss him. So I don't mm-hmm. think he's going to have a massive role in the offense, but um, Keon Burnett, and he, he is going to be starting. He's drawing a little NIL money, uh, 23000 the 60th, 60th most. You know, and he put up double digits in high school. So, so what are your thoughts on him? Do you have any uh, – any any hot takes for us? No, I mean I I know that staff loved him. I know he produced in the spring. Um, I haven't looked at him a ton personally, um, so I don't have a lot of my own conjecture to add. But you know, I think he's a guy that if this offense clicks, he's definitely a guy. If, if a tight end is getting praise as a true freshman, he's pretty good because it's a usually a position that it takes a few years to come in and, and adjust. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. It, more of a name to stash away. And if you're playing in one of these two PPR 
uh, tight end premiums like we are we're drafting mm-hmm. one of those uh, a best ball right now and, and it, it just happens to be a dynasty then that's definitely a name that you want to know yeah so let's move on to arizona state and yeah dumpster fire uh sell off everyone wanted out of there but, <laughs> but they do they do bring in emory jones and paul tyson i i feel sorry for paul tyson because i actually like this kid he put up some good numbers in high school but it doesn't look like he's going to get a chance here. I mean, Emory Jones just, it, it, it seems that he's, he's more of the type of quarterback that, that, that Herm likes to put on the field. And it, you know, I, I don't even know how to approach uh, Edwards and, and Glenn Thomas and, and what these, what these coaches want from, right. their, from their offense. I mean, other than Rashad white, no knock on Rashad white, and, you know, I mean, he was he was such a beast last year. So but I mean, it looks like it's the Emory Jones show. What are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm scratching my head a little bit because I don't understand how Emory Jones fits with Glenn Thomas, who seems like he's going to want to run more of a pro style offense. And so I'm, I don't, I, I'm just confused on how these pieces fit together, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm really intrigued. Um, you know, I think to see what's going to happen, but I'm staying away from Emory Jones and CFF at this point, you know, I, I have to look for him on the waiver wire, which is what most people are doing, right? Like it's, he's not getting drafted high, like maybe late 20, you know, 20 rounds. Um, if he's even getting touched at this point. Well, I will say that he right now, based off of the, the, the drafts, the most recent drafts, he's the eighth hottest quarterback hmm. in the industry stuff. But as far as, you know, where he's moved up, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, it's like you said, like, how does, how does Emory Jones fit in? I mean, it's like, well, how did Jaden Daniels fit in, you know? And right. it just doesn't, it didn't make any sense then. It doesn't make any sense now. I thought Paul Tyson was going to be just a, you know, the obvious choice. And I was like, wow, this, this might be, we might be turning a page here into seeing this offense actually trying to do. Nope. They're just going to keep just letting the, letting the quarterback just run the ball whenever he wants to. And and that's why it's really confusing. Okay. There, there's no backfield that is more confusing than the Sun Devils. (laughs) Xavier Valaday comes in good goal line back. Mm, uh, you know, yeah, good for Wyoming, right? And then you got Joseph Ngata's little or his his brother Denial Ngata, and then they bring in probably the least impressive four star recruit that I've ever seen <laughs> in Tevin White. Yeah, and oh God, it's as confusing as the quarterbacks. What yeah. are you doing with these guys? I know you're. I know you're just fading them, but but oh I mean, yeah. I, I don't know a if, word or two here. I think, I don't know if anybody's had more of a fall in CFF drafts this off season and best balls than Sasavian Valaday. I mean, he's going as high as sixth round early on. And then I think some people realized that everybody else was off of him, and uh, he's taking, so you know, I don't know what to do here. I mean, Valaday is not good. Tevin white to me is overrated. Uh, you know, they're placing three starters on the offensive line. Um, and Gata might be the best one in that backfield. Um, he, he showed he flashed some last year when um, uh, you know, trying him was hurt. Uh, so, but I, I don't know. I mean, this is a dysfunctional team. 
and it looks like it's going to be a dysfunctional offense. Like there's, they're just looking like, like while there looked like there might've been a vision a couple of years ago, all this controversy at Arizona state, I think has just caused patchwork, um, you know, for Herm Edwards to try to put a patchwork, you know, group of players together that, that don't really fit in a scheme that doesn't fit the players. So it's odd. I don't know. Arizona State is a hard avoid for me altogether. Yeah. So Tevin White never never eclipsed 10 fantasy points per game in high school. Hmm. I will say Valaday, he's a decent receiver, uh-huh. but it's it, it's nothing to get excited about. And it, yeah, let's move on. I don't want to spend too much time on this. There's really nothing at wide receiver, and I don't even think we need to discuss it. Right. If if Emory Jones is the quarterback, none of these guys are getting the ball. Right. And uh, the same goes at, at, at tight end. I actually like Jalen Conyers. I think I like uh-huh. his upside as a converted wide receiver. Uh, put up 32, 33 fantasy points per game as a senior, twenty six as a junior, eighteen as a sophomore. He's got he knows how to put points on the board, but it's just is he going to get the ball? And and that just again is. Just you know, there's no reason to even touch him. So let's move on to California. So West Coast offense, and they bring in a, a new quarterback. Bill Musgrave is gonna. I mean, I, I'm, I don't love Jack Plummer. <laughs> I, I liked him when he wasn't on the field, and we got to see Aiden O'Connell. You know, yeah, that's, that's what I remember. Yep. Um, it, it's it's I don't think that anybody is is drafting this kid, and you know I, I don't even think we need to discuss him. And yeah, uh, do you have anything that you want to add on on Jack Plummer? Nope. Other than he's going to be the starter, so yeah. you yeah. can avoid him. <laughs> okay, here's a guy I like that that nobody wants, and you know I I mean I, I'm not going to pick him up in a best ball or anything, but it you know in a in a deeper CFF. I like Damian Moore. Uh-huh. And you know, he's not he's not a beast or anything, but uh he's got he's got potential. I like his game. I I just uh I like what I saw. He he you know, he he displaced Christopher Brooks when he was yeah. there. Uh he did get hurt later in the year, but nobody else wants him, but I guess I guess it's a Todd Harris type of love that I have there. <laughs> And then they br- they brought in Ashton Hayes. Do you have a an updated weight on him? I have, a, have him at one hundred and seventy five. I don't. I don't on Ashton Hayes. Yeah. So no nil dollars between. Okay. Oh no. I'm sorry. Ashton Hayes is making six thousand, but the, mm. the, that just that that's a little concerning. Ashton Hayes though put up twenty nine, twenty two, and thirty eight fantasy points per game his last three years. Small mm. guy though. So I, I mean, unless he puts, yeah. unless he gets up close to two hundred, I, I won't like a kid that's six foot. 175. Uh, All right, let's move on. California's wide receiver rotation does have some promise. So if we do see some good play out of Jack Plummer, I actually like Jeremiah Hunter. I want to hear your thoughts here. This kid, he put up 30 fantasy points per game his junior year. And there was nothing but pleasant things said about him during the spring. What are your thoughts on him? I know you're not drafting him in a best ball right. in a shallow CFF, but you know, deeper, deeper thoughts. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's a lot of production that's being replaced, you know, in that wide receiver room. And uh, the coaches love them, like you talked about, like there's positive reports. And so, I mean, I think Hunter's intriguing um, overall as as a prospect. And so, you know, it'll be interesting. I mean, I think, you know, it, my thing with Hunter isn't, <laughs> isn't anything against him maybe more of a Jack Plummer issue. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> so, I, I mean, it's like there's talent, right? But talent hasn't been the issue. I don't think for Cal wide receivers, really like, you know, you, a guy got a guy, a guy like Makai Polk that leaves there and, and goes to the sec and, and plays really well. Um, so yeah, I think my thing with Hunter is just, he's attached to a subpar quarterback. You know, it's, it's a situ it's, it's a situation where I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if California, changes things up. And I'm not saying that, that firing Bill Musgrave is, is really a fair thing to do because I'll, I'll just say that without USC and UCLA and the Pac-12, they're going to need a little more flash. Yeah. And California, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they went back to an air raid type of system. And yeah. They, it, it was it was it was a fun time for the Golden Bears, and I, I I just don't think that a lot of fans want to come out and watch these defensive struggles that they're putting on the field. Yeah, and, you know, I would I would love to see this wide receiver rotation: Hunter, J. Michael, Sturdivant, and 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 also another kid that that was actually a beast in, at the JUCO level. Mason Starling averaged nineteen point four. At Ju- in the JUCO ranks, that that is not anything that should be laughed about. That it's tough right. because you're playing, you're not playing with with top tier talent, so you really have to be good to stand out like that. Yeah, and, you know, I'd really like to see this in a you know a, a more of a, a a modern offense instead of just you know the blanket West Coast reference but yeah there's there's really nothing we can do with them right now and and there's there's very little at uh at at tight end either so let's move on now we have probably the least impressive offense in the pac 12 colorado it would have been a lot better (laughs) with roman jefferson or jefferson would have been a more uh, fun conversation for sure yeah, Brennan Lewis. I'm not touching him. You can talk if you, I'm just going to go through these real quick. Alex yeah. Fontenot. I mean, he may be somebody to t- to to you know dabble with later on, but yeah, he's coming off a major injury. We'll see how that goes. R.J. Sneed's probably the most interesting offensive player because just because of of, of his abilities, you know, playing at Baylor. We know he's uh, he's he's got he's got that talent that was just like right on the cusp, you know, got up to 12 FPG two years ago, but I mean, is he, who's going to get him the ball? Right. And exactly. I mean, that's, that's it. I, I don't think there's anybody else on this roster. That's even worth talking about. Do you have anything? Yeah, no, I mean, I think you bring in Mike Sanford as your OC who uh, Tanner Morgan has talked about I me. Mean, he just really struggled um, with his offense. Like Sanford maybe is just trying to be too smart. Um, with the schemes he's drawn up. And if that's the case for Tanner Morgan, I'm concerned for Brendan Lewis <laughs> yeah. um, because he wasn't a very good passer last year. So 
yeah, it's a hard to avoid across the board for me. You know, it's, it's a shame that RJ Sneed came to Colorado to end his career like this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's a shame that Brennan Lewis hasn't turned out to be something after we did in high school. He has yeah. posted the 12th highest elusive rating. So those legs are still there. Yeah. It's just the offense is just so boring that you know, I don't even know what to do with it. Right. Right. Yep. All right, let's let's move on to the exciting teams, and that's pretty much what the rest of it is. Maybe not Oregon State, but you know, there's some there's some value there as well. Uh, so so Bo Nix mm-hmm. is going to be likely going to be the starter. I feel sorry for Ty Thompson. I, was, I think this kid <laughs> yeah. deserves the shot, and I, you know, Bo Nix. I'm not I'm not high on him, but he's probably going to be like the Anthony Brown, the new Anthony Brown, and he's going to put up a few points. I don't think he'll get up to 20, but you never know, man. Uh, Anthony right. Brown did better than, you know, I, I thought he would. And there's a lot of money getting paid to Bo Nix. He's making the 13th most NIL dollars. And that's just, that's ridiculous. Uh, $491,000. But he's a starting quarterback for Oregon. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think that's really interesting. It's like, what did... Uh, what did Lanning see in him and, um, you know, Dillingham, right, is the OC that came with him. Like, what did what did they see in Bo Nix, right? Because they were, they were in the same area. So that, it's really fascinating. I mean, Bo Nix uh, clearly has talent, um, and I think he was stuck in some pretty bad situations. I will say he seems to have maybe figured some stuff out and spring ball and he looked looked better i mean he still had like even in the spring game which is a glorified scrimmage right he still throws like some a bonehead interception to a guy that's just sitting there in the middle of the field and it's like what were you doing he just like didn't see him like right he, he didn't read the coverage um but then i think about man if bo nix is starting like it concerns me about Ty Thompson because it seems like Ty Thompson has skill. Like, is it just a thing with Ty Thompson where he needs more time? Um, like, what's your take on Ty Thompson? I think it, more than anything, he deserved to be on the field. I think he yeah. deserved this opportunity. And, and yeah. you know, but you bring in a new coach that, you know, and, and a double coordinator. So Junior Adams came over as well, right? Mm-hmm. And they have no ties to Ty Thompson at all, right? And you know, it, it's something that that uh, that's why we see so many of these kids transfer out when the, a new staff comes in. I give him I give him props for sticking around, but I mean, he put up forty FPG in twenty twenty, um, and I mean, the the snaps he has taken, we've seen some some really good, yeah. Play. It, I think it's a shame because we've seen a, we've seen a lot more of Bo Nix, and it wasn't mm-hmm. impressive, you know. Right. And yeah. he's had and, and the, yeah, last year maybe you could make I, yeah you can make an excuse for last year where he didn't have anything to throw to. He had some you know some tier talents, but right. or borderline talents, but it. The, it Two years ago, he actually had some some kids to get the ball to. Yep, he didn't do it, and 
you know, it's, it's, it, his numbers were just you know, what one more FPG with, with, with a, a better surrounding cast. And I, I, I'm just not, you know, coming out of high school, I, I, I thought he would, he would be something, but I, I'm not a Bonix believer, but he's probably going to outplay my expectations just because of the offense, because of the, uh, the surrounding talent, I should say. And, you know, and Lanning is shown he knows what he's doing. He's a defensive coach, though. So we really shouldn't right. refer to him when we're talking about the offense. It's going to be the yeah. Adams and Dillingham situation. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I'm not excited about it. I am excited about their backfield. Now, this yep. is one of our big debates, and I guess I'm having this debate with all of CFF because I like Marquise Irving just a little more than I do – Byron Cardwell, but it may not even matter because Jordan James looks really good. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I we, it's probably going to take some time before uh, James comes into the picture. And you know, and I've heard your thoughts on Cardwell, and I know he looked good. He looked really good last year when CJ Verdell went down for th- for the first half, and then the, the rest of the season, unless there was an injury there that I don't know about, he did not close out the season looking all that great. Yeah. And Irving, he put up 51 fantasy points per game as a senior two years ago, 33 as a junior, 29 as a sophomore. Uh, he's averaged 2.11 yards per route run. I know it's not a massive sample size as a receiver, but go back to his high school days and he caught a ton of passes. Mm-hmm. This kid can, this kid has some receiving chops. And when I saw on tape, he can, he turns into a running back right after he gets the ball in his hand. You see a lot of these young kids, it's like they don't, they don't know how to turn turn that running back mentality back on as a receiver. And I like that his, his elusive rating is impressive. So I like what he does, but Cardwell's going way before Irving and I can, I can get Irving for, for a penny at the end of drafts. So go ahead and, and toss everything I just said into the trash. Cause <laughs> I know you're all over Cardwell. Yeah. I mean, I like Cardwell a lot. Um, but uh, honestly, in best ball and a couple drafts I've done, I'll just pick up Cardwell in the eighth, ninth round, and then come back around and pick up Irving at the end. Then I don't have to worry about it. And that might be the best scenario to do in any type of draft this year is if you're going to, target this backfield, potentially target both. But, you know, I think, you know, we've had lots of conversations now. And one of the things that I've been thinking about too with Irving, as I've reconsidered, is like, well, like Minnesota knows how to recruit running backs. (laughs) Like every running back they put onto that field last year had some success. And, um, And so Irving's not a bad running back. He's a good running back that produced as a true freshman, outproduced Byron Cardwell. Um, with more opportunity, but um, so this, it does concern me that this is going to be quite a split in this backfield. And when Dillingham was with Norvell, um, he's kind of like, he's part of that Memphis history with Dan Lanning. Um, Dillingham is like, they split carries. And um, so there's a level of like, there's going to have to be a level of efficiency here um, with one of these guys to really produce. Um, I will say, this offensive line last year was top three in average line yards uh, per play and, uh, you know, an advanced stat for offensive line. 
And so these guys, both of these guys are going to play, and I think they both could really produce um, behind this offensive line. Now, they're not, they might not, they're going to, they're going to cap each other's potential. Uh, but I think in this offense, running backs are the ones to really target um, in CFF. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's what I would say, you know, it, yeah, you, you're probably going to have to go into looking at the situation as it's a timeshare or some type of a, a split. And hopefully Jordan James is, is just going to, you know, learn from the the older guys this year. So we don't have mm-hmm. to worry about him, but the, the, the Oregon offense, we know, we know that they're going to, they're going to put some talented players on the field on both sides of the ball. And they're going to win some games, and they're going to they're going to use their ground games to to get it done. And you know maybe maybe the fact that Bo Nix doesn't impress us in CFF, it's it's not as important in CFF or in the real game because other teams are going to look at him and see, oh yeah, he was that former five star quarterback or whatever his late classification was. And, you know, and his reputation is going to be greater than what it actually should be, you know? Yeah. And, and it, so I think there's going to be some respect for the passing game. I, yeah, I think this this is a backfield that you don't want to just – that you don't want to fade. I think it's they have the potential to to uh, to compete for the Pac-12 title. So definitely, definitely a reason for us to spend this much time talking about it. Yeah. Okay, let's look at um, wide receiver and, and lots of talent here. Uh, I'm, I love Dante Thornton. I'm pretty sure you do as well. I saw you pick him a couple of times. Yeah. And then Troy Franklin, you know, he's got some potential. It's really no surprise. I mean, J- Justias Lowe, Chris Hudson, Chase Coda, Isaiah Brevard. I mean, they've got a lot of kids that, that, that you know, could potentially be good. But I really like Dante Thornton. Big mm-hmm. kid. He's six five. I don't. I don't have. A, it might not be the most. I think I got the weight off of the website. Two hundred pounds, but he could be even a little bigger now. Um, and then, and then another kid that I like quite a bit is Seven McGee. Yeah. Now he was a running back that I didn't like him that much. Five eight, one hundred eighty five. He didn't. He doesn't have a, the frame to really put on a lot of uh, healthy weight. You know, he could. He could have tried to force it. But I, I don't think it would have helped him. It, I think he was—he's more of a, a gadget player as a running back. I love the fact they're moving him to the slot. I yep. love that. Yeah. And I think that he has got some PPR potential in this offense. And an inside out between McGee and Thornton is really interesting, especially if Bo Nix, if he steps up just a little bit. Now you don't have to pay for McGee. You have to pay a little bit for Thornton, though. You know, not nothing crazy. But you know, somewhere around the twenty to twenty-five range, you got to be targeting him. You can't you can't just wait to the end of your draft. So, what are your thoughts on on the wide receivers here? Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you said. I, Deontay Thornton is an interesting one to me because I just feel like every time he gets on the field, and maybe I'm just watching at the right times, like he's like producing and like you know catching these like 30 40 50 yard bombs um and at six foot five 200 he reminds me a little bit of quentin johnston um and the way that he wins like he still has a lot to go to you know polish up as a receiver but you see all the physical tools there um and uh, you know at six you know a guy that runs like that at six foot five um and it, it isn't like rail 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 thin is 
definitely intriguing. And it's the upside that has me picking him and CFF drafts of just like what he could do. Um, but seven McGee, I mean, you see, again, this is a, a Memphis offense. They have that TB tailback role, which is essentially the slot, but uh, it's usually a running back they put there and they've kind of seemed to have tabbed seven McGee as that guy that will run some jet sweeps and they're going to like funnel targets to them, similar to what they did with Tony Pollard um, back in the day. And so, man, seven, seven McGee's been, yeah, Antonio Gibson. Yeah. So it's a, um, it's a role that seven McGee fits perfectly and you see the vision for it. And you see like between Troy Franklin and Deontay Thornton and seven McGee, how these pieces fit together. And so, man, I, I see this offense and I see the potential and um, I, I can Bo Nix unlock it is the real question. Well, it brings, it brings Ty Thompson back into the, into the argument yep. because I think you put Ty Thompson out there and I think, I think he has that potential, but you know, going back to sc- the scouting reports on Bo Nix, it, it, it seems he does have that potential that he's una- been unable to unlock Okay, so when when Anthony Schwartz played with him, he he fed him a he fed him a, a, a decent amount, but yeah, I mean, I just I I just I can't get behind Bo Nix as a as a quarterback in, in right. CFS at all. He's got some ground potential, but I do like Thornton, I do like McGee, and you know th- that's pretty much it. The crazy thing is, is they're not even earning the most nil dollars. You, you, it's Chris Hudson. Chris Hudson. Chris wow, Hudson. Wow, not even Troy Franklin, huh? No, he's making sixty six thousand. Franklin's making forty one. Thornton fifty one thousand and fifty nine thousand for McGee. Pretty close between McGee and Hudson. I'm just surprised. I I thought that there would be there would be some collective dollars thrown at the at these at these you know really talented wide receivers. So I, I don't know, and then and then it, it it tied in. There's really not much there. You got Justin Herbert's little brother, and I know I know NFL scouts are higher on him just because he has some blocking potential. He's going to be a, um, a a blocking tight end in the NFL, mm. and he's going to play there. And Spencer Webb, same deal. We may even see Cam McCormick play in the NFL. The, the NFL has they've got a soft spot for Oregon tight ends. It's like they linger in the NFL. So <laughs> they've probably got some decent careers ahead of them, but they are worthless in CFF. You can move on. Yep. All right. Let's move on to Oregon's Oregon state. Okay. So chance Nolan, I know you don't like him that much. Um, this kid put up 38.3 fantasy points per game in 2019 in the Juco ranks. That's impressive. That's yeah. impressive. Now, if he could come, if he could, if he could take a step, he, I mean, I'm just saying it, there, there's potential there. He wasn't that bad. He, he uh, right now his consensus coverage rank is 22nd. So um, there's some potential there. I think the problem is, is like, who's he going to throw to? But yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts on Chance Nolan? I know you you've got probably two words you want to say about him. Yeah, I mean, I it's it's less Chance Nolan and it's more just Jonathan Smith. Like I. I I love his mind. I love what he does with running backs, but he's had one quarterback over the last uh, seven or eight years that has scored over 20 fantasy points in a game. So less that I'm anti chance Nolan and more that 
I just haven't seen Jonathan Smith really produce um, CFF relevant quarterbacks. Well, he hasn't produced CFF relevant quarterbacks, but what he has produced Mm. is running backs. Yeah. And I know there's a guy here that you and I both love. And I know, I know our guy, uh, Andrew Katz, he loves him as well. Cause I'm fighting with him to, to, to get him on my roster and all of our drafts. And that's Damian Martinez, true freshman kid put up 28, 39, the last two seasons. And I mean, the just every, all reports you read are like, wow, this kid, he's the guy. You know, and he's big too. Comes in big baby, six foot two thirty. Yeah. I mean, what else can you say about this kid? Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I've had the thought recently because Nick Singleton is like really the true freshman that goes high in these drafts and rightfully so. Right. But, um, I, you know, we just did, we're doing a best ball right now and you picked Damian Martinez in the 13th round and that's completely reasonable. That's still value. Now, the crazy thing is, is that Damian Martinez is really going in like the 18th to 20th round, usually. And why is he going there? Because we've started to pick him earlier, right? And now we're up to the 13th round. Like, to me, I could make, I think I can make a better case in my mind for Damian Martinez to be the Nick, where Nick Singleton's going in that eight to 10, 10 round range because of the potential. I mean, like yeah, BJ Baylor last year, right? 17 fantasy points per game. Jamar Jefferson the year before 23 fantasy points per game. Jamar Jefferson uh, two years before that, 2018, 19.8 miles Gaskin for Jonathan Smith before that 24.2, 16.2, 16.9. I mean, this guy is, you know, he might be the most underrated, guy that's producing CFF running backs. And so, and, and you're talking about Damian Martinez being that next guy up, and this is going to be the floor in, um, in 2022 of what he's going to accomplish. So if you're in dynasty leagues, like you can get Damian Martinez in the third round, but you should probably spend up the second round, um, in order to ensure that you get him because he's going to produce for three years for you. Um, and, and redraft best ball. Yeah. I think we should be pounding the table on 13th round is, is still good value. And that's way higher than he's been going. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, and, and then in that same draft, I took Nick Singleton in the 12th. And, mm-hmm. and if, if I could have it my way, I, I would take Nick Singleton later. But that's actually mm-hmm. pretty good comparing, yeah. compared to where he's going. Because, you know, we both love the talent of Nick Singleton. And, and, you know, he may not be the starter right away, but the, the full, the ceiling on this kid is just, I mean, the, the, I, I just can't get his run, his, uh, his stagger and his run out of my mind. He just runs like a kid that is pissed off about something. Something yeah. has really made him angry. Yeah. He's taking it out on, on his running style. I don't know. Uh, so I, I love Nick Singleton. I love Damian Martinez, and um, I can't get enough of them. It's, so Deshaun Fenwick, he comes over from South Carolina. You know, I, I, he's a little tall, but, you know, again, Braylon Allen's tall, you know. So right. I, I don't want to be a hypocrite here, but I, I just – I think more than anything. And then Jemias Griffin comes over from Georgia Tech, 
with with mm-hmm. an impressive scored 40 fantasy points per game as a senior in high school. So, you know, they've got some depth, but at the same time it's just it's Damian Martinez and then everybody else. And moving on to wide receiver, I mean, I just don't I, know what re- Yeah, real quick, one last thing on Oregon State is uh as far as average line yards per play, they're top 3 in the nation the last couple of years. Um so yeah, so this is also like Jonathan Smith just with this running game has, has kind of figured some stuff out. And so that's another part of this, right? It's not just that Damian Martinez is talented. You have the whole package of um, a running back that's that's really talented and an offensive line that's really good. And, you know, they're returning three of their five starters from last year and it'd just be a plug and play in that type of system anyways. But yeah, so I just wanted to add that in there. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it I, it's it really speaks to this offense because there's really not much there at wide receiver. Treshawn Harrison, he put up 15 in 2020, but then seven last year, uh, mm-hmm. fantasy points per game. So uh, he's probably the most talented. He, actually, he I like it when he gets the ball in his hands. I mean, he he knows what to do. He's uh, you know he's not much of a deep threat, but uh, possession kid. But he's easily the top receiver. But he, I'm not touching him. And yeah, you know, I, I would say that you're probably in that same boat, correct? Yep. And then, you know, okay. So there is one guy though, Luke Musgrave, obviously the, his father, Bill Musgrave, the, uh, the OC for, for, um, uh, for California. No. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it, it's, it's a situation where, you know, he's, 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 he's got a football IQ. There's not much of a background there of of massive fantasy upside from high school but uh you know uh, i've seen i've seen him go but you know some sharps take him some guys that i i i trust their evaluations but you know he's he's pretty deep though he's not he's not somebody you're gonna go crazy on do you have any thoughts on Luke musgrave yeah not really i mean he's pretty deep deep guy yeah. All right. Moving on to Stanford. So Tanner McKee is, he's got a lot of scouts looking at him, a lot of NFL scouts. Uh, he's massive, 6'6, 230. And, you know, it, it's crazy that, that he, he spent, um, what was it, two or three years on a mission trip. And yeah. that, you know, for a kid that's going to have NFL potential, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money invested into that mission trip. So I salute him for, for doing that. And, uh, and, and it was funny, like reading it, reading his story about him working out and, uh, <laughs> you know, he's over here lifting concrete blocks that are that with a, with a, a metal pole in between them, you know, he's just doing the <laughs> rocky thing when he's about to fight Ivan Drago, you know? And, you know, that just, that just kind of, cra- it kind of makes me chuckle when I think about it. Uh, but, you know, he's coming in making $152,000. So that, that helps. And he, he's actually got some, some ground upside going back to his high school days. And mm-hmm. he put up over 30 his last two years. And he looked at his accuracy. So he doesn't have a big arm, though. He's not going to, he's not going to be throwing 30 yards. He's to say that, that Mac Jones doesn't have a strong arm. I don't even know what you would say. I guess Tanner McKee has a noodle. I don't know any <laughs> other way to put it. He does not have a strong arm, but his accuracy and he, and he understands how to read coverages. 
So there's a lot of potential here with Tanner McKee. And, you know, not not somebody I'm, I'm aggressively chasing, but he's not a terrible last-round pick. What do you yeah, think? yeah, and I think, you know, he had this five, six-game stretch last year that was really, really good. Um, and I think he averaged, like, right around, like, 25.9 fantasy points per game in that kind of early to mid stretch last year. And so, and that's not bad, right? Like that's a, that's an, it's an average to an above average starter in four point passing touchdown leagues. And so I definitely see some potential. I mean, the, the wide receiver core, well, I don't know if there's like one guy that like sticks out way above the rest for me as like a CFF target. Like they're all solid and they're good recruits. So I definitely see some potential here. Um, you know, if, he had four rushing touchdowns last year. If he can bring that up to six or seven, I mean, you're talking about a guy that, you know, he can definitely be your QB four, five, and is worth, worth drafting. Yeah, so so jumping to the backfield, this is, this is where a guy that – so we're talking about Emmitt Smith's son, EJ Smith. <laughs> and so he's another guy that's moving real – he's moving up quickly – in in the the rounds in CFF and you know David Shaw has even he's even come out and said that EJ Smith could be really special and he's going to get the shot to carry the load here they did bring in Arlen Harris and that's really all they have behind EJ Smith Arlen Harris he's got some upside but we've seen David Shaw show a lot of of um a lot of uh, respect towards seniority at running back. And I think, I think he's going to let EJ Smith handle the load here. He's shown us elusiveness. He's shown that he has hands. He can catch the ball, you know, and we, and and in the the draft that we're doing right now, our guy, Greg Brandt just took him in the 15th round. I mean, and that's right around where he's going too. He's going a lot. When I, when I first, when I first started doing my um, uh, CFF drafts this year, I could get him at way late, but now he's going a lot earlier when I, you know, he's towards the top of my queue, but he's not where I want him anymore, you know? And uh, so I really like him. I like Arlen Harris in, in dynasty and, you know, it, it, it's a similar, I know they haven't had the, you know, Christian McCaffrey types or who was the big kid they had. What was his name that played baseball too? That played for the Vikings. Toby Gerhardt. Yeah, yeah. He was a beast back in the day. Yeah. They don't they haven't had those types of guys the past couple of years. But I think EJ Smith might be the closest thing to that that difference making running back than that they haven't had in a couple of years. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think what sticks out, you know, I, I haven't seen uh, Smith play a lot since his high school film. I mean, his high school film, like you said, like his hands sa- seemed really natural. Seemed to be a really good uh, pass catcher out of the backfield, and and those type of guys have really thrived under David Shaw at Stanford. And so I I'm intrigued. Um, coming out of high school, I just didn't know how good EJ Smith was. He played against like private school competition in in Dallas, um, which. Look, it's Texas ball. It's all going to be good, but um, but so it's encouraging to see. It's a pretty pretty high level recruit coming out, and it's cool to see him kind of living that out. And I think you're right. I think if volume is king, and 
CFF than a guy like EJ Smith with very little competition behind him uh, is a guy that could get 20 to 25 touches uh, per game in a system that has been willing to do that um, with their running backs in the past. So, yeah, he's definitely intriguing for sure. Yeah, 141.7 elusive rating. And then didn't they try him out as a, as a in a receiver role type of gadget role when he was when he was young? Yeah. So, yeah, and and so so we know he can catch and and just like you you went over and you know, he can he can create after contact. I really like EJ Smith. Now, if as for the wide receivers, if you ask if you ask people at Stanford I uh, while I was evaluating tape on some other guys for the draft, the guy that that the announcers talked just just nonstop about was Bryson Tremaine. Mm-hmm. They like they like him a lot, and uh, he so he put up fourteen point six last year, and he's put up two point seven four fantasy points per target, which is the fifteenth highest among returning uh, wide receivers, the seventeenth highest targeted passer rating. This th- he's got the chance to be their true number one. And, you know, judging by what he did with Tanner McKee, maybe that'll happen. But then there's also Michael Wilson has been the talk of the spring in the offseason about how that it's another it's another situation where they think he's about to take a big step. We'll see. He was the guy in 2020, mm-hmm. but there was no Tanner McKee, you know, so and then they got Elijah Higgins, you know. But I think Elijah Higgins, to me, is a lot more like the Dorian Singer of the offense, where he plays more of the complementary role, where Wilson is the the deep threat, and and Bryson Tremaine is the possession receiver. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I I don't have a guy that I'm like, man, I need to target this guy in CFF drafts, but. Yeah. Part of that, honestly, is because I just see them as all like they're really solid. Like they're good recruits. They're borderline four star recruits coming out of high school, and so it's going to be intriguing. I, I, one of these guys will pop, and maybe it'll be Tremaine. Right? Um, it seems like it, it's probably heading that way. But one of these guys will pop and will be CFF relevant. It's just hard to pick out who right now for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. It's completely fair, and I, I, it's not like I'm drafting any of them either, you know. Right. But they're they're definitely some. Uh, Tremaine is a guy that I'm definitely going to be watching on the wire. So, but there's a guy that we're all on, and that's Benjamin Urasek, and mm-hmm. you know, uh, just massive breakout. Uh, his numbers could have even been better. Eleven point six fantasy points per game last year, which is the fifth most, and um, you know, uh, at, at it, it, in a, a tight end barren CFF landscape, I mean, he's, he, you know, he's a, he, I bunch him together with maybe like seven other guys, six or seven other guys that are like kind of the core of the, but I'm sure you want to throw in Will Mallory there. You love your guy. And I, I actually, if, if you didn't take him there, he would have been drafted by me. So hmm. <laughs> when Good you're talking know. up when you're talking up a guy as the top receiver on Miami, I'm listening because I want I want uh P I want shares of that Tyler Van Dyke situation, yeah. you know. So I'm not arguing with you. Yeah. Fun um, fun I'll, fact, he's he's going to ACC Media Days. Him and Tyler Van Dyke. He's oh, gonna nice. be the other offensive player. So that that was another good little check mark on leader. 
um, a potential guy that they see as a as a difference maker in that offense. Nice. Oh, we're talking about Stanford. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. One, one, one more quick thing though. Did you see where PFF ranked PFF College ranked Tyler Van Dyke as the tenth best? Yeah, I saw quarterback? that. Yeah. Criminal. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I'm wanna... sorry, <laughs> former employer, but that is wrong. So wrong. And Spencer Rattler. Good lord. All right, Wait, let's move you, on. USC condone Slovis. <laughs> did you oh see that <laughs> oh i did number nine ahead of tyler van dyke yeah and oh, and wow. and they had him at at usc still which was the most impressive part oh that. yeah that's awesome <laughs> we've all made that mistake so look the best part is i know who's likely responsible for those rankings and um i'm just gonna chuckle anyway yeah. so with benjamin urasek he's a he's he's a guy that you want in your tight end premium leagues and and pretty much anywhere else i mean he's he's i know you have him below uh zach kuntz at old dominion and uh i think you have him did you say is your tight end five yes okay yeah and and that, that's right where i have him. i think i have him at four and and that's a good spot for him there but i think he's going to do better this year with with an, with some development from from McKee. I think, I think it's, this is an offense. I, I I'm actually a little higher on Stanford than JD Yonke, who, who did the, uh, the power rankings for us. I think hmm. they're going to have a much better year this year. I think they have better pieces in place. Plus it's another year of development for Tanner McKee. And, you know, if he can, if he can just work on that arm strength a little bit, we might see this offense really take off. So what are your thoughts well, on it, Benjamin Urasek? Yeah, I love Urasek. I mean, I think everything you said was spot on and, um, I, and you know, I think he's de facto wide receiver one right now in this offense. And, um, yeah, so I like him. I, I mean, the offense as a whole, I mean, they're returning 10 of 11 starters and EJ Smith is the lone guy that's not a returning starter. And yet he's, um, better than what they had before. So, um, I, this offense has a lot of potential. So I'm with you, man. I think this is something that, um, maybe CFF industry as a whole is, has been a little behind on. And so it'd be intriguing to see, see what they do. Yeah. We're seeing McKee. He's going higher now. He's, he's dropped a few rounds. So I think people are starting to realize, wait a second, has this entire offense been forgotten about other than Eurosec? And I, I think you're exactly right. All right, let's move on to UCLA. We know Chip Kelly, he's always going to put some, some scoring on the field and, <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of touches to go around. I, you know, I, if I, I, I consider Dorian Thompson Robinson, I mean, he's basically, he, he knows how to get the ball out. It's it, just his accuracy. It, it's disgusting. It reminds <laughs> me a lot. It reminds me a lot of Adrian Martinez, that type of player, mm-hmm. but he's great for CFF. I mean, he put up 26 the past two years. And, you know, you're going to have to get him early enough before the 10th round. I, I don't have many shares of him, though. Um, it, it, I have him in a couple of other leagues, and it was frustrating yep. with all the game time decision things. And, you know, when you're playing on the West Coast, that, that information, it doesn't come in quick enough for me, for my taste. Because yeah. all of your East Coast players and your South, your Southern guys, they've already played their games by the time we get that information on – on, on DTR. So that's a little frustrating. And so um, what are your thoughts? I, I, I mean, he's obviously going to score a lot of points. 
Yeah, I mean, DTR, going into last year, I thought they were going to build the offense around him. And then they, you know, it was really around the two running backs that they had. Uh, and so he was so unpredictable last year. And I think I think there's a little bit of player fatigue maybe on my part with DTR. Like, okay, he's probably going to score 26 fantasy points a game, but they're not going to be a predictable 26. And so a guy like that can really tank you potentially, especially if they just go, hey, this is Zach Charbonnet's contract a year, quote unquote, and uh, they just feed him the rock like crazy. So I think DTR is like good. I'm with you. I don't have a lot of shares. He's just going higher than, than I want. And I think there's a little bit of weariness from last year, even though he did get 26 fantasy points per game. They came in bunches and a little bit later in the season. Um, so, yeah, I'm, yeah, and he, yeah, he's a good, he's a good college quarterback, good dual threat, but, um, I'm not super excited about him, but he, he's going to produce, so yeah. probably be- better best ball than, um, than redraft in my opinion. Yeah, no, it, it, best ball, he's okay. Cause you, you don't have to worry about it. If he sits out, he sits out, but, uh, you know, so I'm, that's why I'm, I'm hoping that the, that the the USC and UCLA shift to the Big Ten. I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna help that out because we're gonna see them play earlier games some some weeks, and then uh, you know, so maybe quicker reporting on injuries because it's just it just takes so long to get that information over here on the East Coast, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and, and most of the field is already played by the time we do get it. So mm-hmm. you know, I know I feel like I'm repeating myself there, but let's move on to the backfield. So Zach Charbonnet, man, he, you got to pay for him. You're not getting him for free. I mean, he's he's going early, and he's even going higher than than the the, the number we have. He's going in the second round. Yeah, and we're talking at the turn. He's going and he, the 28th highest elusive rating. He's got the the high school production. You know, it was a big flop at Michigan. That was yeah. for sure. At, at, I really like him. I mean, he looked really good last year. Yeah. And so, and it looks like he may get the job all to himself this year. So I think, I think there's a, I think there's backing and support for why he's going so early. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I remember the days early on three, four months ago when I could get him in like the third, like the, the turn on the third, fourth round. <laughs> yeah. That felt really good, man. Yeah. Uh, and now as our boy Andrew Katz that we mentioned before, like he's just pushed him up into the second round and borderline, borderline first second. And so, um, I like Charbonnet. I, I, you cannot say anything negative about him. It's a shame that you know it didn't work out at Michigan because I thought he really flashed as a as a freshman and showed potential. Um, but you can't argue with the results for Michigan. Um, yeah. But. Uh, but yeah, Charbonnet, he's exciting. He's fun to watch, man. And that's the other thing is like, if, if there's something about CFF, like I, part of how I choose some players, if it's a tie, it's like, well, I just want to watch this guy play. And Charbonnet yeah. is one of those guys that, man, like he's just a tank in the open field, <laughs> like running people over and bouncing off guys and all of that. So, um, he's really a fun guy to watch and, uh, It'll be really, um, it'll be exciting to see uh, him be, to have a backfield to himself for once and to see what he can do with it. 
Absolutely. And he's going to be a high NFL draft pick. Well, relative to relative, yeah. Back, yeah, to how running backs are valued. He's going to be, you know, one of the higher running backs. Yeah. Potentially next year. I'm excited for him. Yeah, know. no, absolutely. I feel invested in him a little bit. <laughs> The, the one thing I'm worried about, though, is is so looking at what happened to him at Michigan. I mean, they had some talented running backs around him, and I wonder does is does he struggle when he's in in competitions like that? Does is he not a competition guy because he came to UCLA and it was in you know basically it seemed like just based off of his his scouting they just thrust him into the role. And they didn't really have a, another guy other than um, what was his name? British Brooks, Britton Brown, Britton Brown. Yeah. I get those mm-hmm. two confused all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, it was a, it was a 50, 50, but he was still able to get on the field and get a decent number of touches. And so um, I do worry about him in his NFL days. If he's going to struggle, if he gets into that, he's going to be in a competition. There's no way he's going to, somebody's just going to hand him, the bell cow role. It's not going to happen. They're going to need, they're going to need him to at least compete for a couple of years with a veteran, you know? And, yeah. uh, and you know, if he, if he blows up then, you know, then, okay, you'll have your, your quasi bell cow, but all right, let's move on to the wide receivers. And there's really only one name here. Mm-hmm. That's Duke transfer, Jake Bobo, uh, you know, more of a possession type and, but you know, there's there's the potential here. Uh, the, the you know they've got they've had some some targets open up, some guys moving on. Um, Titus Mokayo Atamalalala. <laughs> hey, sorry about that, Titus. I know that's that was probably brutal. First name. He's got incredible. some potential. I like him. The Hawaii, a kid out of Hawaii. His brother, I believe, played at UCF last year. I think this and- is the UCF guy. Oh, it is. That's yeah. right. He transferred, didn't he? Yeah. The brother plays brother at Hawaii, play? I think. Okay. Yes, that's right. That's right. And so, I, you know, I think Bobo's the guy, but Titus, that's a kid I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on because he put up some good numbers in Hawaii, 28, yeah. 24 last two years. So those are the, really the two names. They got Cosmir Allen, but, you know, he's just never really taken to that wide receiver role. Seen him make a couple of good plays, and his efficiency is good, just the production isn't there. So what are your thoughts on, on the wide receivers? Yeah, we're going to talk about tight ends here in a second, and they had a tight end um, that just left last year that was really, really good. Um, Greg, man, how am I blanking on his name? Greg uh, Dulcich. And I see like Jake Bobo kind of playing some of that possession role that you talked about, or like the the security blanket for a DTR. So I can see um, Jake Bobo having a role and he's getting drafted and and people recognize that, that he's a guy. So, um, but I guess the one thing with the Bobo, like I don't see the ceiling being very high for him. And I think with the guys like a Bobo um, and this, you know, if you're drafting him 15th to 20th round, like you want guys, you want to be trying to crack home runs with those picks, in my opinion, because you're just churning the back of your roster, anyways. I'm picking people up, and I don't see Bobo as a real home run, like a super high ceiling guy. I could be wrong, but I just don't see that type of explosiveness out of his game. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, and th- that that's my issue with all of the receivers on this team is I I don't want to touch them. I'm not going to be drafting them because so their starter 
projected Michael Aziki. The mm-hmm. first thing, if you're in a best ball, he's got wide receiver eligibility. So he's got to, he's got to fall into your tight end spot or you're not going to get the tight end premium numbers. Right. And so that's something to consider. The other, he's going so early. I'm not touching him because they've got a, they've got a good tight end coming in, Jack Peterson. And I, uh, something I've mentioned before, when you see a guy that goes to the NFL that had a ton of production, look at the guy that they bring in their top recruit at that position, because that's a guy that they're, they're thinking, okay, my guy is leaving. I need somebody to come in and fill that role. Now, Jack Peterson may not be the guy right away, but he's somebody that they they envision as having a, a big role in this offense at some point. And then Mike Martinez has been there, you know, just as long as as Ezekiel. So I'm not saying Mike Martinez is going to start. No, I don't think that. But I'm just saying we may end up seeing like a, a more of like a three tight end rotation if Ezekiel doesn't blow up. So I'm just not I'm not taking that risk with Ezekiel. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, we're we're in alignment here. Like I don't understand really. I mean, he's, you're talking about a guy that's a redshirt senior, um, and Greg Dulcich was obviously he's really good, but like Ezekiel, like couldn't have more than three catches for 45 yards and only seven targets last year and one touchdown. Like, um. I don't know. I mean, he's a fifth year senior. You think if he would have like really been a guy that's going to produce on that type of level, he would have at least pushed Dulcich more. Um, and you know, Chip Kelly, there's one thing about Chip Kelly. He's going to get his playmakers or the guys that are the talent, most talented guys. He's going to figure out how to get them the ball. So I don't, it's, it's what you harp on. And I think you're right on. It's like when you just try to go system and you ignore talent, I think you you that's a recipe for for uh, discovering bust, <laughs> and I yeah. think that Ezekiel could really play that. Particularly again when you have Jake Bobo coming in, who's six foot five, two fifteen, um, and he could really play that same role that Dulcich played as like a, some sort of like move, you know, Joker. Uh, yeah, like so. I don't know. I don't. I don't see with Ezekiel. I think there's a whole lot of bust potential. And very little, like living up to the Dulcich ceiling. I mean, we're going, we're going out, and we're we just talked about Damian Martinez in the thirteenth round, and we're talking about Nick Singleton. I mean, we're talking about some premium CFF running backs here, the young kids, and those are the guys I'm targeting. I'm 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 wanting to get the kids that I, that have the massive ceilings here. I'm not yep. looking for a floor from a, a a tight end that's coming in to replace somebody else. Right. At that spot. Right. It's just too much, too much to pay. All right. Let's move on to probably the top team in the conference. And, uh, you know, geez, what else can you say? Uh, Caleb Williams, this kid is, he's going to be, he's, he's making $2.4 million this year. That's crazy. Just crazy. Just (laughs) a couple of years ago, you know, you'd have been, banned for life for you know for accepting 2.4 million put up 41 and then 31 he didn't get to play as a senior you know due to covid but you know came out angry and and you know displaced spencer rattler in no time and then he you know he follows his coach so we know caleb williams is is gonna beast it up this year 
And, you know, I, I mean, what else can you say about the kid? He, he does it all. And, and I know you like him. You're just not going to pay for it. Yeah. He's uber talented. Like I love the guy. I have a bunch of dynasty shares. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, he's a guy that, you know, I talked last night, we, we did a round table on conference realignment and I talked about getting into seven CTCs last year in my third round pick and everyone is Caleb Williams. And, um, you know, so I'm, I love the guy. I mean, any kind of Konami code dual threat quarterback like this is pretty fun, uh, to watch. And they usually produce at a pretty high clip, especially with his wide receiver core. He has. Yeah, absolutely. 170.3 elusive rating last year. It's just ridiculous. Crazy. So Travis Dye, he's um I'm he's one of my targets. He's he's dropping though. He's 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 going higher than when I when I first started my CFF drafts. And I mean, he does it all. He he's going to be he's going to be an, an earlier uh round pick in the NFL and it certainly appears that he's going to be the guy in this offense. And that's mm-hmm. big because I mean, he just put up 23 fantasy points per game last year. So I liked him more in like the seventh, the sixth to the seventh round. He's going earlier than that now though. And it's not that I don't, that I wouldn't be willing to take him. It just seems like everyone keeps picking him right before I can take him. So uh, what are your thoughts on Travis Dye? Yeah. <laughs> One of my good buddies, Chris K from burning the red shirt. He put out a tweet uh, maybe a month and a half ago on Travis Dye and how he was one of his guys. He said he was willing to spend fourth round draft capital, which I know you're not going that high on him, but he was gushing about him. And, uh, you know, Travis Dye is five foot 10, 200 pounds. So I just wrote back, I was like, oh, like, which is the, uh, which is the sub 215 pound running back that's rushed for a thousand yards under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma? And, um, cause, he's mainly had bigger backs. So my one concern with Travis Dye is that he's just a, he's a smaller back than, um, than Lincoln Riley is like typically used. Um, but Travis Dye is super talented. So I can't, I can't hate on the guy. He's just the, the, the capital of which you're, we're having to spend right four fifth round, you know, even six rounds, a little bit too high. I'm just targeting other guys. So I'm not, Anti-Travis Dye was just being tongue-in-cheek uh, with Chris K because I just like to, to bust him a little bit. Yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, he's just going too high for me, so I just don't have, have the shares. I'm, I'm going Corey Kiner, um, Kamar Wheaton, Donovan Edwards, and, and, and those areas of the draft. Yeah, late fifth, I don't mind, but he's going earlier than that now. So, yeah. Um, it, it, when I was getting him in the sixth and, and, you know, I, I was all over it and I, I took, I have a, a couple of shares of him, but lately I haven't been getting him at all. So, um, that, that it's, it's just like you said, there's the, the value, it just isn't there anymore. And, uh, you know, if, if running backs are going early, sure, I'll, I'll, I'll grab him. And, uh, uh if I can, but it, like I said, it just seems like I can't, I can't get my hands on him anymore. Because I do like him. I, he was he was a beast last year. Yeah. Okay, but the wide receiver room is disgusting. I mean, listen to these names. Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, Brennan Rice, Gary Bryant Jr., Terrell Bynum, Taj Washington, Kyle Ford, C.J. Williams, Michael Jackson, Kyron Ware Hudson. My good Lord. 
Yeah. I mean, a lot of these kids could start at various places across the country. And I mean, the top, uh, what, six guys here definitely could. Yeah. And CJ Williams was handpicked by Lincoln Riley. So we know he likes him quite a bit. Man, it, it just, we know Jordan Addison's getting the ball. We know right. that. There's no way around that. He's earning the second most NIL dollars in the country. Mario Williams. This kid came over with Lincoln Riley. He handpicked him as well. And then he brought on Brendan Rice. Really, you can't go any deeper than that. There's not, I don't think there's any examples of a system <laughs> that produced four CFF receivers. And yeah. And it, 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 it's a little slap of reality that I'm expecting quite a bit to think that Brennan Rice is going to blow up too, to be honest, because Travis Dye catches the ball as well. And yeah. so it, it, it's, it's Brennan Rice is going to play on Sundays, Jerry Rice's son. But I think, you know, our focus needs to stick to Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, and that's where the most of the volume is going to go. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Gary Bryant. I know you do. You took him in a couple of dynasties before yep. I could get my hands on him. And I, 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 I graded him when he was in high school. Um, this kid was just wow. Just the wow factor. Gary Bryant. And he, he's going to be the, the wide receiver four. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. So I know you would, I know you want Jordan Addison if you can get him, but you know, you're usually taking your AT Perry, your Cedric Tillman. Yeah. And so I, I don't think I've seen you actually take Jordan Addison, but that doesn't mean you're down on him. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on on what's going on here? Yeah, I I mean, so Jordan Addison's the guy and a wide receiver one and Lincoln Riley's offense, you know, always produces, right? And averaging 17.1 fantasy points per game over the last eight years. And that's including two down years with Mims. If you take that out, then it's still producing at a, at a really high rate and a 19.3 fantasy points per game. But then if you go to the wide receiver two and Lincoln Riley offense, and I was kind of surprised to see this only one time in the last um, eight years has a wide receiver uh, two scored over 15 fantasy points. And that was 15.3 by CD lamb. We know what he is. Um, and then other than that, it was 13.9 and that was back at ECU. So the rest of them have been in the 11 point or under range, like eight, nine. So to me, I'm a little bit more hesitant, even on the wide receiver two, which I'm assuming is going to be Mario Williams at this point. Um, and I, I mean, I just don't know. I mean, maybe they go to the, the Pac-12 and Pac-12's never seen Lincoln Riley's offense. And so they just blow it up. But I, I'm of the notion that Jordan Addison's going to get his and then it might just be Mario Williams, Brendan Rice, Gary Bryant all coming around and, you know, kind of uh, rotating games in which they just break out, if that makes sense, um, and have big games. So um, so I'm a little bit concerned beyond um, Jordan Addison from a CFF production standpoint for these other three. Not that they're not going to produce. I just think they're all kind of going to produce on the same level because they're all pretty much at the same level at this point. So the only the only thing I would say to that is definitely Caleb Williams. We haven't seen his ceiling. But something you mentioned earlier about how many 
thousand yard running backs under 215 pounds mm-hmm. has Lincoln Lincoln Riley had in his career. Well, they don't have one of those guys. So we may see a little less yeah. reliance on the run, a little more pass, but we really don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I still think Mario Williams, you know, I think he's got the potential to be a guy like CD lamb down the road. I'm not yeah. saying he is CD lamb, but I'm saying he's going to be, he's going to start in the NFL. So, uh, I think I, I'm still comfortable with Mario Williams around the, um, I don't know, the 15th or the 16th. I'm not taking him uh, any earlier than that, though. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, if I can get him at a value, I'm taking him. Yeah. And and, and it, it, it's really not that much of a surprise that there's not much at tight end for, <laughs> uh, for a Lincoln Riley team. So, yeah, there's really not. Especially when it's Malcolm Epps as your tight end. Yeah, yeah. Moving so along. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, Malcolm X. And yes. I've fallen in love too many times. <laughs> All right. So Utah, you know, normally we would just look at the running backs, but I like Cameron rising. Yeah. Quite a bit. I think he's going to have, uh, he's going to play on Sundays at man. If you saw the, if you saw the, the, the Rose bowl against Ohio state, you saw what I saw. This mm-hmm. kid is, is special. He's got he's got some 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 talents on the ground through the air. He's just got that moxie of of staying in the pocket, taking pressure, and and delivering the ball. I, I like every part, every aspect of his game, and and so uh, yeah. When, when I can get my hands on him and and at a value, I'm 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 going out and I'm getting him. What are your mm-hmm. thoughts on Cameron? Yeah, I mean, I think Cameron Risen's a good example that well. Let me back up. You see quarterbacks like really come in and produce early, right? Like the development of quarterbacks at the high school levels increasing, but you're also seeing some guys that have a lot of potential end up like kind of as like late bloomers. And I think you could put Cameron rising in that category. I mean, he's a guy that's a pretty high recruit coming out of high school uh, into Texas and and then he kind of flounders, you know, has some potential, but doesn't really put all together. And then comes to Utah, gets beat out by Charlie Brewer, and then, you know, ends up taking over for him. And he just kind of puts it all together. And it's like, the question, is he a gamer or is it the, the light bulbs just going on in his head? But whatever it is, I mean, he's really hit his stride and he he's only getting better. And so I'm really intrigued to see what his ceiling is this year. Um, because I definitely think he's, uh, one of the better values in drafts right now. Although I think he is maybe creeping up a little bit now, but he's still like, I think he averaged like 22 fantasy points per game last year. I don't have that in front of me, but, um, he's definitely a guy with some potential for sure. Absolutely. Well, let's, let's get in, let's start talking about your, your man crush here. So Tavian Thomas I mean, the, the, he's he's posted the second highest rushing touchdown rate, or, or actually overall touchdown rate of any running back in the country. Um, he's a he's a beast, and and he's been a beast since his Cincinnati days. And yep. I, I, man, I, I wish he could have stayed there, just <sighs> yeah. to, to imagine what 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 he what he could have done last year for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I know they I know they had another kid there and and all that jazz, but still, I've always been I've had a man crush on Tavian Thomas, yep. and uh, man, he's he's a beast. I know he fumbles every now and then, and hopefully he gets it out of his system because. 
it's not going to fly in the NFL if he's fumbling the ball. We're going to see him get benched yeah. by somebody, by some coach. But my, when I said man crush, I wasn't talking about Tavian Thomas. <laughs> I know you like him, but you like you some Jalen Glover. You probably you're probably sitting in front of your your Jalen Glover poster right now, dude. Put yeah. up. 38 and 36 and 21 and 20 his four years of high school. So go on, talk about your boy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny, Jalen Glover, I came into Utah and he, you know, he's a Florida running back and we've seen other ones um, really like uh, hit there at Utah and Zach Moss Um, and Jalen Glover. I mean, he's a guy that the coaches have just raved about um, as he comes has he come in uh, there and he just really quickly, I mean, has just made play after play after play. And um, yeah, he's a guy that I don't know if you have his NIL stuff up, but he's a guy that, um, you know, two, four, seven has like done some NIL stuff with him and sports illustrated. He was at the press conference after the spring game. Um, he had like, I think five carries for like 36 yards for the spring game. But then he was like one of three players that went to the press conference to meet with the media as like an early enrollee true freshman. So like, there's just some things that are happening with Jalen Glover right now. And, you know, one thing that happened during the spring game was Tavian Thomas had a goal line carry and fumbled the ball at the half yard line. And there's just shades. <laughs> There's a world in which Tavian Thomas does not fix his fumbling issues. And Jalen Clover comes in and is a potential like breakout guy this year. He's five, seven to 11. Um, so he's got a great build. Um, he's super quick, quicker than, than fast at this point, but um, coaching staff loves them. They're not really recruiting any running backs that are going to compete with them in the 2023 class. So this is going to be his backfield um, next year. So he's a guy that I'm, I'm aggressively pursuing in, um, in Dynasty. And I'm taking a few shots at the end of drafts, depending on what's left, just because um, you just never know with Tavian Thomas. There's also some rumors in the spring that Tavian Thomas was having some academic issues. He ended up graduating, so those ended up getting resolved. But there's just always something percolating in the background with Tavian Thomas. Um you know, even with even, I mean, there's a reason why he ended up at Cincinnati when he was an OU commit for a long time. So, you know, I, I don't know. There's always this stuff with Tavian Thomas that I'm just like, not sure. Is he going to, is he going to complete the year? And if something happens, then I love Jalen Glover to step up and um, be, have a potential Ty Jordan impact on this team. Um, from a couple years ago, RIP Ty Jordan. So yeah, love Jalen Glover. Um, hopefully I'll get to talk about him more this year. If not 2023, watch out. I'm going to be unbearable. <laughs> no. And, and you, you bring up Ty Glover, man. What such a shame. That kid was yeah. so talented, but uh, yeah, Tavian Thomas, it's, 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 it's like one of those situations where you see it, you see the, the most talented kids, taking the biggest risks like with a young Ben Roethlisberger mm-hmm. going out and just, just 
not the best behavior with females and then going out just flying down the the highway in, in his motorcycles and stuff yeah. just just not very smart behavior but it, it's almost like the edge that these kids play on you know mm-hmm. and and then that's kind of like what we see with Tavion Thomas but so he's earning $236,000 this year Jalon Glover is at 30k but mm-hmm. I don't know if his if his social media profiles are are correctly linked to his account so yeah. that might be high, it might be a higher number than that's what I was mentioning last night on the the, the realignment uh, live stream is that I, I'm I'm wondering if if there's some disparity between the numbers that we're seeing and their their social media c- accounts not being accurately linked to their dollars so yeah. it may actually be higher um, but uh, I don't think there's a situation where you go into a best ball or a redraft and draft Tavian Thomas and you don't pick up Jalen Glover late. Mm-hmm. I, there's, if you're going to invest into Tavian, you must get Jalen Glover. Right. Mm-hmm. But in, in, uh, you know, in a, in a dynasty, you're not going to get Tavian Thomas in a, you know, in a subsequent draft, he's already gone, but yeah. So you'll be happy to know that you have boosted his, his ADP to the 25th, hottest running back right now (laughs) love it and you've done that all by yourself so yes Yes. i've not seen anybody take him so and i feel i feel dirty i i don't touch him because i know he's your guy because i I didn't know who he was until you mentioned him so yeah Um, okay so at wide receiver that's where things are a little shaky for utah so devon vale remind me he played juco i'm not play fcs i think he was a walk-on walk-on so is he yeah. in utah this whole time i think so because this is only his third year i th- i think so and i think i know i know he was a walk-on up until this last year i'm pretty sure yeah walk-on okay i thought there was a guy that they had that that was was a, a transfer from a juco or something but i guess not it, it so could yeah be, i mean i guess he's a guy that that's going to be their, you know, potentially their wide receiver one. Not that it's going to matter in this offense yeah. because of their tight ends, and you know, probably the you could put this this duo up there with the best in the the country at Georgia. Well, I mean, Georgia's definitely the number one. Don't don't uh, don't you know mistake that at all. But this is a very <laughs> talented tight end room between Brant Keithy and, and Dalton Kincaid. Both of them are going to be NFL draft picks. Both of them are going to play a significant amount of time in the NFL. Uh, and I love Keithy because of his his background as a quarterback, as a running back, as a uh, track star. Well, you know, not star, but he did he did well in track and field back in his high school days. And then I, th- I believe he played baseball as well. I mean, he's just, a, he's a very talented kid. And then, and then Kincaid, man, just burst onto the scene last year. And uh, this kid is, I mean, from out of the FCS ranks, I forget yep. where he played Montana or something like that. Yeah. Uh, was, was it like Montana like State? UC, I don't know. Was it UC yeah, Davis so, or something like that? Yeah. Something like that. And, and so, but both of them are going to be, they're going to be sought after by the NFL because of their, their, I mean, so Brent Keithy, he's a little bit shorter, Brent Keithy, but uh, that's okay because he can play more of it. The NFL has adjusted to this smaller uh, playmaking tight ends, like, um, like a Conquo where, where Tennessee still went after him because 
and and and, and that's like um, the guy they used to have shoot that signed with the Patriots. What's his name? Um, the tight end for the Titans um, that just signed with the the Patriots last yeah, year. I can't with think Henry. of his name. Yeah, ah, played at Florida International. You can look him up yourself. Anyway, oh uh, Sterling Palmer. No, no, no. no. You're um, talking about Johnu Smith. Johnu Smith, yeah. and he's six two, so similar size. So we have plenty of 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 precedent set for the NFL making adjustments for playmaking guys around six, two that they can put on the field. He'll see, he'll see time in the backfield. He'll see time everywhere. But yeah, these are two guys that are going to probably be the one and two receiving options for Utah. Would you agree? Yeah, for sure. And yeah, Brent Keithy could be like that. I can see the 49ers picking them up and figuring out how to use them in some versatile role or something. Um, but yeah, I Kincaid's one of my favorite values right now at tight end. Um, Cause he really came on near the end of last year um, and, you know, started to produce on a pretty consistent level. I think over the last um, like six weeks, he was, he was averaging like right around um, nine fantasy points per game. And he had, you know, a couple, he had three double digit games during that time. So I like Kincaid. I think he's a really good value. And then obviously Keith has been around. Keith has been around for a while. And so, it's interesting between the two of them. I think, yeah, they're wide receiver, wide, wide receiver one and two. I will say though, like Vale looks great. Like he moves well at six foot five. He's a big target. Kim and Rising seems to like him. So I would not be surprised if he's CFF relevant. But it's he's a guy that you can pick up. He might be in you know our first waiver wire article of the season um, if he if he goes off uh, in that Florida game. But we'll have to see. Yeah, no doubt. So we're, we're beyond the 90-minute mark, so we want to go through the, yeah. the rest of these quickly until we, we land on somebody we definitely want to talk about. So at Washington, I'm just going to go through the entire team here. It yep. looks like we're going to have a um, straight-up competition between Pinnix and Morris. It's going to continue into into the fall. I'm not really that excited about either, especially after Pinnix, the injuries that he's had. I'm worried about that, that slowing him down and, and kind of having the Dak Prescott effect where we're not going to see him run as much until he starts really getting confident on, on the, on his legs again. Um, and then at running back. So here's a guy I do like a lot. Nobody wants him. And that's Aaron Dumas <laughs> and coming over from, uh, believe it, New Mexico. Yeah. He was a transfer from New Mexico. So he comes over, uh, he comes over with the, the new regime. And uh, I mean, I'm, I'm able to pick him up at the end of drafts and I think he's going to, he's going to be the, at least a, the 60%, um, carry share for a team that's going to win some games with a very good defense, and I, I, I think Kalen DeBoer. I think I think it's a and, and then the the Ryan Grubb combination coming over, and I think they're gonna you know they're gonna they're gonna go to a guy, and he, he's got some potential to be like the uh, uh, the guy they had at Fresno State last year. Drawing a blank, RJ or, or um, Ronnie River. Rivers. Ronnie Rivers, yeah, and, and and I think there's a lot of potential there with Aaron Dumas. Um, because you know you you got the the holdovers of Richard Newton co- coming off the ACL tear, and then Cameron Davis, but they're like the bigger guys that, right. that they didn't recruit, and um, I, I feel like Dumas is going to be the the clear number one. So, but at wide receiver, a lot of people are on Jalen McMillan and Rome Romo Dunza. I'm not touching them, not at not at their values. I'm just finding so many other other uh, guys that I like in that range. So. I just I, I don't like the passing game and very much at Washington. I think they're gonna. I think it's it's gonna take some time for that to develop. And and if maybe if I had if I had definitive um, 
you know, a, a belief in one of these quarterbacks, maybe, but I don't. And then it tied in. I mean, people are going after this Devin Culp kid again. I think this is we're just we're forcing a, a, a square into a round circle or into, you know, an, or, an orange uh, hole. And I, I just don't think it's it, there's there's a lot in, in support of that. Uh, Ryan Otten, they recruit. So, uh, you know, Cade's little brother, I think he's going to be the guy eventually. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm just not seeing any receivers on Washington I'm chasing after. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. I think this is all a wait and see <clears throat> in this offense for me. Um, I like the Dumas uh, projection and, and seeing and seeing what happens there. So, you know, DeBoer is obviously a really uh, talented play caller. So he'll figure it out, but it feels like, uh, at least in the, in the passing game, like you said, it's a wait-and-see approach. Yeah. Okay, so there are a couple of guys on Washington State that we need to talk about, no yep. matter if Ben gets mad at us or not. <laughs> at, at quarterbacks, so uh, Cameron Ward, he comes over with his, with his coach, and, uh, and it's a big get for Washington State. Jake Dickert, or excuse me, um, Eric Morris, right? They played uh-huh. in Carnot Ward. So Eric Morris, the offensive coordinator. And, um, and so I, I, it's a situ- I, I like Cameron Ward quite a bit, but the problem is, is that a lot of the sharps do as well. And he's going right around where I want to take him. And I think I've only gotten him in one league and that, that's because everyone else just seems to be just as aggressive as me. This kid, a dual threat. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a problem for him to, to, to put up points in this offense. And he's got some receivers that, that can do it. So what are your thoughts on Cam Ward? Yeah, I, I like Cam Ward and I like his future potential um, at Washington State. I'm curious to see how he transitions in year one uh, to the FBS level. I mean, he's jumping up a couple levels here from the FCS um, at an Incarnate Word, uh, who wasn't really in a great conference in FCS, um, and then skipping the G5 and then going to straight to a P5 conference. And We've seen other quarterbacks do this in the past. Kevin Thompson at Washington, Gage Gubrid, Dakota Prukup, and Vernon Adams. And Vernon Adams is the only one that started a full year. Um, and all those guys were really talented guys that at the FCS level that go into the Pac-12. And they just they didn't do well. So Cam Ward is the most talented out of, out of all those guys. And so he may he may break the bank um, and, uh, on on that stat, but. You know, just a little bit of word of caution as people go up to Cam Ward. But but I say that, and uh, he was going fifth, sixth round before, and now he's going down into like the eighth round. Um, and I like him a lot in the eighth round. I think his upside is is good enough to, to take a shot there. I'm just not willing to spend like top 10 CFFQB draft capital on him. Absolutely. So the only other guy I'm, I'm going to let you talk about the wide receivers and because I know, I know you're higher on uh, stribbling than I am. Uh, But the guy that I do want to, I do want to highlight here is the true freshman uh, Davinsky Schlinblocker Uh and Schlinbaker, excuse me. Uh, He put up 49 fantasy points per game as a sophomore, 41 as a junior, 24 as a senior uh, where teams just completely loaded the boxes and uh, to shut him down. He didn't play um, – f- let's see, he played nine games. Okay, he did play a full season. But he's already in the conversation to be the starter. Nakia mm-hmm. Watson is there. I do not like Watson. I don't think yeah. he's 
He's that talented. And I think Schlinbach, Schlinbach, Schlinbaker could be the starter really early in the season. And he's, he's a beast too, big kid. So um, that's a kid I, I, I want you to watch the tape on him, see what you think. Yeah, I need to do that. Yeah, because I, I, he's, he's somebody I like quite a bit. And I'm, 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 he's not even going in drafts, you know. Yeah. So, um, and, 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 you know, this, this, this offense, he, he could do it through the air as, as well as on the ground. So um, I like him a lot. So I'll let you talk about him or the running backs if you want and then the wide receivers. Yeah, I don't really have much to add. I mean, I'm with you on Nikia Watson. Like, we've seen what he is. So, taking a guy like Schlenbacher with upside and Baker is, you know, I like that. Um, yeah, wide receivers. I mean, I think there's a lot of talented one, ones here. It's just really hard to figure out who's going to be the guy. I think Dijon Stribling um, is outside wide receiver, started as a true freshman. I definitely, I do think he has potential. I think him and... Cameron Ward developed some chemistry in spring ball, but you also have Renard Bell coming back right off of the torn ACL. And he was productive two years ago. Lincoln Victor um, is in there from Hawaii and the coaching staff's raving about him. You have Robert Farrell that's coming over um, from incarnate word. And he was the leading receiver with Cam Ward there. Donovan Ollie, Zariah Beeson. I mean, you got, there's a lot of, like, these are quality wide receivers. Um, Plus CJ Moore. Yeah, yeah, CJ Moore. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't even mention him, but yeah. So, I mean, these are guys that all, um, you can make a case for them being being really, really good. So, yeah. I don't know who's going to, you know, take over. I don't have a ton of Deshaun Stripling, to be honest, because... It's going so early, and that's why yeah. I don't want to touch him, because... I want I want proven guys at the, that level, and that's yeah. not what Stribling gives us. Yeah, and so honestly, the guy I've gone after a little bit more is Renard Bell. Yeah, um, and you know, in the twentieth round or so, because he, again, he's gotten proven production, um, and you know, I think he's a guy that uh, the slot role is one that Cameron Ward. Uh, has produced with Rob Farrell before. I just don't see Rob Farrell stepping up to the FCA, no. uh, FBS level. So He's I better than the other guys on the team. That yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think like Bell or Victor um, for me is that guy. And, and Bell, you know, there's just history there. I think Victor yeah. could certainly be worth a, a dart throw, and um, in Dynasty um, as a guy who maybe takes over next year. Or um, but. I like Bell this year as a guy that I'm going after. Absolutely. Well, this has been great. We, we've covered all the teams, and uh, Ben, I, I'm going to have to apologize to Ben because we've gone over like 100 minutes here, and uh, we usually have to keep him around 90 or so. So, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll go ahead and cut this off, and we appreciate you listening to us. And uh, make sure you, uh, you, you follow us on Twitter, follow the account, and uh, we'll catch you. Uh, next time and, and we'll be discussing some group of five conferences.